What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Crown Hoops podcast. We are on to episode number 56 now. My name is Jordan Daly. With me this week, we have Stacey Collier, Ben Okazawa, and our newest member, Matteo Navarrete. Say what's yeah. up, guys. What what's up, up? What's up? Glad to be here. Part of the Crown Hoops team. Yes, sir. Yeah. Matteo's been Welcome. with us since the beginning, from what I recall, right? Yeah, you've been here since the beginning. Oh, yeah. One of the original founders. Yes, yes sir. Yeah. Been here with us from the beginning, finally making his podcast debut. He's going to be filling in in case if one of the original four can't make it, as we see Mike is not here today. So Mateo is filling in for him tonight. Um, so let's get this podcast started with a quick introduction so our listeners, viewers, however you guys are watching, listening, can get to know Mateo a little bit better. As we do with every single guest on this podcast, I want to hear your favorite team, which I don't really want to hear, but we'll let everyone else hear it. It's okay. It's kind of gross, but whatever. <laughs> your favorite player currently and all time. Your favorite basketball moment and a hot take to close it off. Gotcha. All right. So favorite team, Lakers. Grew, grew up in LA, born and raised. Jordan secretly loves Laker fans, though. Disgusting. So have it, always got to have at least two on the pod. Um, <laughs> I can't escape it. I know. My earliest memory from NBA in general was Kobe throwing the alley-oop to Shaq in the mm. 2000 Conference Finals Game 7 against Portland. And just I had no idea what was going on, but he they slammed it down and my dad started going crazy and that's when I became a Laker fan pretty much so was there for the three peats and stuff and got back into it really hard when um pal came into town and those really good Kobe years like 2006 and like that um so I'm a Laker fan through and through you can also find me on the Lake Show Digest search that on YouTube I do a podcast doing game recaps doing uh big news stories involving the Lakers so you can catch me there too going on to favorite player it's got to be Kobe. It's hard to, for me to choose a favorite player. I always like the collection of individuals, which is kind of very Phil Jackson of me to say. But if I were to pick, pick a favorite collection, probably the 2009 Lakers and last year's. I really like last year's 2020 championship team. Um, so those are my two favorite teams. I really love those guys. Favorite Laker memory? Jordan, you're going to love this one. 2010 against the Boston Celtics, game seven. One of the ugliest games I've ever seen. Kobe was like six of 24, and that's a real big stain on his, on his legacy for some people. But they also don't mention that he got 15 rebounds and he played excellent defense. He out-rebounded Kevin Garnett, big baby Davis, other big guys on the Celtics like that. One of my probably life highlights right there. So that wraps it up for favorite moments. My hot take, I think you guys are going to give me some pushback on this, but I've been developing it. It's been brewing. So last year we played the Heat in the finals. They got injured. Yep. They lost Goran Dragic in the beginning. They lost Bam for part of it. But my hot take is that if they were there for the full series, the Lakers matched up so well, they probably would have won in five. Anthony Davis has the matchup advantage over Bam. He did a pretty good job on him despite being pre-injured that series. Goran Dragic, he was kind of where the Heat's offense ran through. You know, they adapted with Jimmy Butler, and then they did some great stuff with um, – the two white boys, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, getting them to come off screens. The Lakers lost a couple games because they underestimated them, I believe. But if they had the full squad there, they would have been more attentive. And the Lakers just did a great job of defending guards in the playoffs. They had to handle Russell Westbrook and Harden. They had to handle Dame and CJ. And then they had to handle Jamal Murray, who was the hottest guy in the bubble. Sure. So I think they could have figured out Goran Dragic. That's my hot take. The Lakers would have won in five if you had the healthy heat. It's a well-founded take. 
I like that you backed thought, it out. I've thought about this. Yeah. I'm yeah. not just going to throw it out. Yeah. I want to agree with it too. Like, honestly, I just think the heat got lucky. And obviously as a Celtics fan, uh, yeah, I felt that pain. Right, here we go again. I felt that pain, right? I was fully expecting the Lakers to play the Celtics last year. I was that's yeah, what the culture scared. wanted. I know that's what we all wanted. Culture was somebody denied. didn't hold up their end. Oh. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, honestly though, like that had to be the toughest blow that I can like remember in recent history as a Celtics fan, just because like we were right there and like that was our time yeah. and we couldn't beat the Miami heat. Yeah. 2018 too was a little rough. I was pretty sure you guys are going to beat the Cavs. I have yeah. a framed picture of Jason Tatum dunking on LeBron. That is the greatest <laughs> picture of all time. No one can and tell me otherwise. It's one of those things for the Celtics too. Like if you're not going to win last year, when are you going to win? Like the East right now is so stacked. I was thinking the same thing about my team too. Like I'm a Raptors fan. Mm-hmm how are we going to win for the foreseeable future? We got KD, um, Harden, Kyrie on the same team. Giannis is breaking out. Embiid and Simmons are breaking out. Like it just looks a bit stacked at the bit top heavy in the East. So kind of hard for the Celtics and the, the Raptors to win in the you know next few years, but we'll then see. The Raptors have kind of just surprised me this year. I know all the reasons of them being in Tampa away from their home, but I remember early on in the season, I was like, let me check the standings. The Raptors are two and ten. Is this right? <laughs> and then, yeah, like, it's crazy. Yeah, surprised me too. But hey, I, I've I've embraced the tank at this point. Give me a give me a top five pick. Trade it for Cat. We're we're golden. I will say this about the Raptors though. Y'all have had a lot of players come out of like nowhere and be like pretty good. Like you guys, that rookie who just got rookie of the month, Malachi Flynn. Yeah. Um, What's this other center? Malachi's athletic. He was throwing up bricks against the Lakers the other night, but Malachi's pretty good. He was bad against the Lakers, but yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, Kem Birch, Jordan, he's uh, Canadian as well, which is nice. You won me my uh, fantasy basketball matchup last week. There you go. I'm happy with him, man. (laughs) I had to drop Tyler Hero for him, make some changes, but it worked. Um, But yeah, let's, let's move right along now that you guys have a better idea of who Mateo is and the sad fact that he's a Lakers fan, but... Nothing you can Boy. do, man. Nothing you can do. But um, moving on, we got to talk about Carmelo Anthony entering the top 10 in scoring in NBA history. It's crazy looking at his story. Beginning of his career, extremely dominant. Known as one of the best. Rewind a few years ago. He didn't have a team. People weren't sure if he was ever going to play again. And the fact that he was able to come back, find a home in Portland, and put on. He's been playing great basketball. Um, so I'm really happy to see him finally get some recognition like that kind of want to get all of your thoughts on that and kind of a little bit about Carmelo's story in general Ben we'll start with you yeah I love it man like people were kind of branding him when he was out of the league people were branding him as a selfish basketball player that whole kind of stint and you know he had his like whatever couple weeks in Houston uh season in OKC um after leaving the Knicks but he kind of proved everyone wrong. He turned it all on its head in Portland and past two seasons, he's been great as sort of a role player for them. So that's, I think what I'd love to see more than anything is kind of embracing how he's aged the same way Vince Carter did. Cause Vince was a role player on kind of borderline contender kind of lottery teams for a long time towards the end of his career. And he's going to go down as, you know, the most, the player with like the best longevity of all time. Cause even still, He's like 42 and he's averaging seven points per game on a 
pretty bad Hawks team to be fair, but like, you know, he's still doing it at 42 and he has a lot of respect from everyone because of that. Um, so it's nice to see Mello, who's I think one of the best scores of our generation, um, kind of starting to get that recognition. And it's good to see that he was able to, to bounce back from what was, a, I'm sure a pretty terrible time in his life. Mm-hmm. Obviously we never saw Camelo get a ring yet, at least. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's a hall of fame lock without a ring? I, I was yeah. just thinking with that. Um, oh, sorry to cut in. I was just That's thinking okay. if you can say mellow top 10 score of all time, that feels like a good argument for first ballot. Doesn't it? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think NBA hall of fame is probably easier to get into than any other major sports league hall of fame. Like yeah. NFL hall of fame is ridiculously hard to get into. You had guys like Terrell Owens who took, you know, them a while to get into the hall of fame. Um, and then in the NBA, like, what was the most egregious one? Vlade Divac is a Hall of Famer. Like, come on. He is? <laughs> Vlade Divac is a Hall of Famer, which makes no sense to me. But, uh, yeah. what what more stingy like the NFL. I feel like it would have a little more weight to it. I agree. I agree for sure. But, uh, I mean, if, if Vlade Divac – this is how I kind of always base it off. If Vlade Divac is a Hall of Famer, this person should be a Hall of Famer. That person should be a Hall of Famer. Melo should be, no question, a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion people forget how good he was in denver it's especially annoying when like the nba twitter kids who are like 13 and haven't been around for anything yet come on and just like trash mellow and be like do you yeah. know what this man did like a few, yeah. just a few years ago like you guys are missing the point here it's, it's crazy i definitely think he's a lock for there needs uh, to be a way to verify ages before you can tweet <laughs> you no know, i need to see you don't have a driver's license or something <laughs> only send out like one tweet a month or something like that i don't know Let's just create like an adult social media. I know that that may uh, sound wrong. Let's it has a connotation to it. Take that task away. <laughs> Stacy, what are your thoughts on Carmelo entering the top 10? Um, I think like, like y'all was just alluding to, a lot of people need to recognize Carmelo Anthony is one of the best scorers, one of the best overall players of all time. I don't think he gets his respect that much um, I've been on board of saying this about Carmelo's career, and I said this on the podcast. I don't know how y'all feel about it, but I think, like, as far as impact on the game, Melo should should have been up there where LeBron is. Like, he has the same talents. Like, he can do the same things, but it just didn't pan out for him. I think he got the bad roll of the dice in Denver, then like uh, George Carter as a coach, then go to the Knicks. The Knicks are highly dysfunctional, didn't really bring anybody in except uh, Maury Stoudemire, and that didn't last that long. And then OKC was just a bad fit. He got done wrong in Houston, and I'm glad that he, you know, bounced back and he's with the Portland Trailblazers. But uh, I think Melo should be getting his due. I think it's disrespectful for people even to question whether this man is a Hall of Famer or not. Like, he's literally in the top 10 scoring of all time. The rest of the guys ahead of him are Hall of Famers. The guy he passed up is a Hall of Famer. Like, why are we questioning whether he should be in the Hall of Fame or not? Because he has no rings? Allen Iverson don't have any rings. Hmm. I mean, so why not Melo be a first ballot Hall of Famer? I never understood that. But I think it's time just like, just look at Melo as – as a player, just look at him as a player, like great overall, you know, it could have been, could have been greater, could have had a greater career, could have had got a ring or two, but 
definitely one of the best scores we've seen and very, very talented. Mateo, what are you thinking about all this? I agree with a lot of what you guys said. Really happy to see him get another shot at it in Portland. And if they didn't give him a shot at it, he wouldn't have this placement in the top 10 of all time. Um, I have, going back to my Lake memories, I have um, a great memory of the 2009 season. Me and Matt Huff always talk about this, our other buddy at Crown Hoots. Kobe in game one, Kobe and Mello had one of the best scorers duels I've ever seen. And Mello had maybe 30 more pounds of muscle on Kobe, but Kobe was still fighting. And it was just a great back and forth. Um, that's one of my favorite games of all time, mm-hmm. just because of that Kobe Mello duel. So that's one of my favorite Mello memories. Um, and I'm just happy to see him get his flowers like that. So I agree with most of what you guys said. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let's move on to the next topic of the episode. Before this episode, us four were talking about you know, the refs and some recent technicals that were called on players. And that kind of just got us talking into a discussion about refereeing this season and honestly, how bad it's been in general. Um, you know, two of the instances we were talking about right before recording was Luca getting ejected the other night. Um, you know, a lot of people on Twitter thought it was just because he looked at a ref the wrong way, which wasn't true. He did like toss the ball. Do I think that's right for an ejection? No, a technical. Yeah, not an ejection, though. Uh, Marcus Smart got ejected the other night from a game where it looked like he punched someone, but I think it was just, you know, the refs kind of picking up on old habits and knowing what type of player Marcus Smart is, and they ejected him for that. Do I think it was ejection worthy? No. Technical, yes. Um, So I kind of want to get your thoughts on how can the refs improve and move forward? Obviously, we've seen a lot of players be vocal about, honestly, how terrible the refs have been this year. Um, you know, how can the NBA fix this issue? How can the NBA move past this? Uh, Stacey, we'll start with you this time. Just let me ref the game. I won't call <laughs> none of this. Just let me ref it. I won't call no ball slamming or, or punch it thrown down the head. We're going to catch Stacey sitting on, the, sitting on the, the sideline with popcorn. And like, yeah, they're good. Yeah, yeah, just let them go. Just let, <laughs> let them go. Play, yeah. I'm not too crazy happy. But uh, I, I just think – I think – for, for a hum, from a human standpoint, though, I think the refs are tired, too, because, you know, not only players got to go back-to-back and all that, the refs got to do all that, too. They got a tight schedule, a tight window, and, you know, it is pressure on them to perform every night. And maybe they're, like, mentally drained. That's the human side. But it does need to be fixed, and I think the NBA needs to go back during the offseason and reassess was tech worthy, was ejection worthy and all that. Because like you just said, it is getting out of hand. I'm sick of these uh, little bitty, just little bitty things, you know, out of frustration for the players. They they trying to, they got a lot on the line. They trying to get to the playoffs, not have that play in. Some of them playing for contract next season, all that. You know, just, just, just let them vent a little bit. As long as they don't get, you know, too crazy or threaten anybody or hit anybody or none of that. So, the NBA really do need to focus on referring like in the off season and like readjust the guidelines to a technical or, or what's a foul even or who should get thrown out for what. Like it is getting crazy. But I kind of understand from their standpoint. They probably just like, you know, just just tired and just trying to get through the game. Stacey, so let me ask you this. Would you rather have refing how it is now? Or how it was back in like the eighties where nothing was a foul. Oh, we can't have like the eighties. Like that's they was <laughs> killing each other out there. <laughs> if you had to pick though, if you had to pick, which one are you going with? Oh, uh, 
can I can I say, I would rather I would rather <laughs> I would rather I would rather have it I would rather have the rails how it is now like like back then you you can't just let the players kill each other like you get people broken their arms stepping on ankles putting each other in headlocks and body slams I thought was I want to see it I want to see it I mean like I want to see some chippiness but not I want to see no USC fight on the board <laughs> yeah. at the same time. So, I mean, I'd rather have it. They just, the, they just need to just, the refs these days just need to calm down and relax and not think they're like, they like the stars of the show. I think some <laughs> got like huge egos. So, yeah. yeah I, you I, can I, tell I'd a ref, you can tell a ref has a big ego when they take like eight seconds to call a charge. You know what I mean? They want the spotlight <laughs> on them. So yeah. they'll, they'll blow the whistle and they won't let you know. And then just, show, <laughs> just just for the drama. Dude. I will say this though. Have any of you guys ever refed a basketball game? So hard, dude. Let I me was, tell you uh, this, right? I went hard. to a military school for college. I got yelled at more refing like second grade basketball. Yeah. The parents are ruthless. I don't think mm-hmm. people understand like how much Ridiculous. pressure these refs are on. Like they're on national television. They're getting roasted on social media. They can't escape that. I don't think people understand how much pressure is on that job no it's yeah the most it's a job and it makes you wonder why do people want to become refs in the first first place i know someone's <laughs> got to be a ref but it's never going to be me they I just, make what needs uh, to happen they in make, life? yeah they make a lot of money. money they make uh-huh. a lot of money they do do they start making more because i think that's why um the guy who cheated that one famous ref who cheated i think he was accepting bribes because he wasn't making yeah, enough he was so let me tell you this. I don't know the actual salary of what the refs make, but our guy Jermaine Jones, when he was on this podcast, he told us that mascots make six figures. So if mascots are making six mm. figures, you can take a guess on how much refs. Yeah. Are it says entry-level referees for the NBA earn $600 per game or $250,000 per year as rookies. Mm. As rookies. That's, <laughs> all right. That, that's according, that's just according to Google. I I don't know how accurate that is. That's the first thing that pops up on Google. Yeah. But man, so 250,000 US dollars. Like, I, guess all I get what they do is hard. I I'm get that what they do. They all for the whole NBA season. I'm reffing every yeah. single game they throw at me. Yeah, man. I used to ref, I used to ref uh, preschoolers, like four to six year olds. Oh, that got it. Oh. Um, for $12 an hour. <laughs> which is well under uh, Ontario's minimum wage, just so you guys know. And are you serious? Would... That's under. Oh yeah. Ooh, it's like seven twenty-five here. It's, it's <laughs> a bit of a. It's a bit of a. It's a bit of a difference. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I would gladly ref NBA players for two hundred and fifty grand a year. In wow. terms of fixing it, Jordan, I think you said it um, because I've seen a lot of bad ejections this year, where they think it's going to balloon into a fight, and it doesn't really. And then they just toss both guys out, even though one guy might have instigated it more. They just end up tossing both guys. The solution, which you alluded to, just just do attack. Don't throw. Don't do double text. Don't do just like automatic toss out. That would go a long way. And something that was really interesting, I was talking to my buddy Phil about this. Um, he pointed out, you know, there's a real difference in how big men are officiated and how perimeter players are officiated. If you're on the perimeter, you can barely get tapped. Otherwise, it's a foul. And we've kind of come to expect that. But with big men, you can throw bows. They'll miss it a lot of the time. And it's a lot looser of a whistle. It only gets a little tighter when things start to get really chippy. And that's when the ejections come out. So another fix could be just make that, make those a little closer to each other. Call the perimeter a little looser. Call the paint a little tighter, I guess. 
that, that that's a fair point i definitely agree with that and it's something i haven't even really actually thought about like big men in the paint are getting like bodied and destroyed while like guys get hammered all the time yeah you gotta, that's, that's you gotta be strong to be in there and a lot of times if you're strong you'll, you'll power through a, a foul and it'll look like you didn't get fouled um true that could be an alternative yeah i think the star treatment is also really bad too like lebron is known for like getting his way when a whistle is called or if a whistle is not called, he'll go argue it. And then the next time down the court, the whistle will get blown if that's what he wanted. I feel like star treatment is definitely Man, a thing in the are, NBA. Are you talking about like nowadays? Because we've seen that back then. Yeah. Always. I think Michael it's always Jordan. been an issue. Yeah, yeah that was one of the craziest clips I've ever seen is when Jordan told a ref, that's not what happened. Like he fouled me. And the ref was like, are you, are you sure, Michael? Michael's yeah. like, yep. And then he calls the foul. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's absolutely a huge issue, and it always has been. They just need to act as if everyone is the same person. Obviously, it's hard when you're dealing with LeBron James, who has millions and millions and millions of followers and fans that are going to support him no matter what he does, versus some guy that signed a 10-day and entered the NBA yesterday. Obviously, there's a big difference there, but you need to treat everyone like they're the same. The second Um, that the refs start – adapting to the nba players reacting to their calls as the second the game is over yeah just to quickly add like my two cents the fixing the issue of bad refing, soft refing. i think there should be a committee within the league that can find refs i'm not sure if this already exists it, it might, does but yeah that that can find refs if like a call they make is like super uh like it then noticeably bad you know what i mean like the luca call for instance like i think we should start kind of regulating and stacy kind of touched on it earlier but like have a strict guideline of what can be an ejection and what can be a flagrant one or a flagrant two i know there already is but i think start enforcing it more so you can't just toss players that and then that just decreases the entertainment value for fans it decreases the quality of the game for the players and the fans in the stadium as well so you know it's bad when analysts get on TV and tell you what type of referee you're dealing with. And I, I've seen it not only basketball, but any sport. Like, this ref let this go. This ref will call this. You know, like, that's, that's crazy. Like, the rules can be loosened according to what the head ref is. Yeah. I was finding nuts that Tony Brothers is a Lakers fan. <laughs> don't even get me started oh, with that, though. No, but, but back to what Ben said. I think there is, like, a committee like that, but I don't think they fine the mm-hmm. refs i think they just like review calls they have like a ref committee and you can like follow them on twitter and it's really funny if you do because people just will like tweet at them like nasty things like foul yeah, i thought refs i thought refs get grades though and that's how they like oh do they high profile games and all that i didn't know Is that. that right that would make sense like you need a certain criteria to to ref the super bowl yeah or yeah, in, our case, cool. in our case the nba finals but uh yeah are you guys said all you need to say on that yeah i, I want to yeah. agree with you man if there's a little more accountability to i mean maybe you, you know fine or something like that but if you mm. hold them a little more accountable in some way maybe we'll start seeing some uh some calls that are more true to the game you know for sure yeah that makes a lot of sense uh in that case let's move on to the fun part of the podcast uh we had a an idea i think it was mateo's idea so shout out to mateo for this already making great contributions exactly (laughs) exactly in honor of uh cinco de mayo we're gonna well these guys are gonna shoot tequila i'm gonna shoot not tequila yeah i don't Um, have tequila either okay respect oh yeah 
You can drink in Canada, I guess. Oh, Stacy's just going. Stacy yeah, yeah, didn't want to wait anymore. Stacy didn't want to wait anymore. Stacy was like, I just want my alcohol, man. All right, that's fine. We got Fireball because it's hot take segment. Hot spice. Jordan's mm. a wild one for that Fireball, dude. Fireball, he, man. He's trying to get a sponsor. I respect the hustle. Hot takes by Fireball. Imagine if that was a thing. Let's make it smart. Thing. Video just gets taken down. Fireball <laughs> sues us. <Yeah. laughs> it's, Good call. Yeah, it's actually just hot. apple juice with a different label on it. And Mateo's yeah. drinking water right now. <laughs> it's all good, man. Just water, everyone. Water. Yeah, I right like now. it's not water. <laughs> Happy Cinco de Mayo, guys. Cheers. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, so we're getting into our hot takes now. Yahoo's Dylan Hernandez um, wrote an article pretty opinionated uh which i guess must have been the point of it but uh super kind of black and white he does not think the lakers have any chance of making it to the finals anymore at this point um really yeah i guess mateo as the guest lakers fan or as our new lakers fan um i want to hear what you have to say because he didn't say anything about injuries he just said at this point lakers not making the finals. What do you think about that? To be black and white about it is really stupid and just geared at getting a reaction, which is, yeah. you know, that's the basis of, um, you know, he, it was an article, right, on Yahoo. So he was, yeah. he was, looking, for, he was looking for the clicks. Um, mm-hmm. But you, earlier this week, before we played, after we played your Toronto Raptors, Ben, um, I was really concerned. I'm like, AD does not look healthy. The team did not look interested in the times when we needed to go on a run. We had our championship core guys in there. And they, they just kind of gave up. I'm like, why are we losing to the Raptors right now? We lost pretty convincingly. Um, if LeBron and AD aren't healthy or suffer a setback, it's not out of place to say that they won't win the championship because that's totally in play. But to be black and white about it right now when they still have eight games to ramp up, seven or eight, um, that's just stupid. Yeah. So um, AD made some strides last game in that Denver game. He looked really good. Mm-hmm. He made a game-winning defensive block. LeBron had had a little they, they're not calling it a setback but he um you know just i guess it is a setback is another way to call it mm-hmm. he came back a little too soon probably because he wanted to help win some games and he's out a couple more games if they can ramp up and get it together it's totally in play just because this year is so all over the place you know yeah so i mean i totally agree i think their supporting cast we were really gassing up their supporting cast ahead of the uh, season thought their supporting cast got better which it may have, but maybe not as much as we thought compared to the teams around and around them. So I don't, I don't think they're a lock like I did at the beginning of the season. But I also think to, like you said, to put it black and white, they're not going to make the finals. Is uh, I do think the supporting cast did get bold. better, um, but the health people getting in and out of the lineup. Dennis Schroeder, he just got hit with COVID protocols again, mm. and I think he actually has COVID now, so he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. When he comes back, he might be physically limited, like Jason Tatum's been, like Westbrook said he was last playoffs. Um, it's been a health thing. Health has gotten in the way of them establishing continuity and knowing how to play with each other. The reason why guys like the Suns and the Jazz have started off the year so hot, I was talking about it with Stacy on this podcast. We were getting into it. Um, they the, the Jazz had a ton, a ton of continuity. Nine of their players were start um, were returning from last year's playoff team. So they knew how to play with each other. They hadn't gotten that hurt really either. Um, they were still able to ride the ship and win games. 
The Suns, they got Chris Paul now in tow, but I think their continuity's been good this year. So they have had guys on the floor. They've been able to get used to playing with each other. That's been a big reason why they're at the top of the standings, I believe. Um, so just getting on-court reps with each other is a big thing, and the Lakers haven't really gotten that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Stacy, as our other Lakers fan, how do you feel about your guys' playoff chances this year? I mean, uh, I said this on the previous show when we was talking about the NBA season, the one thing that can stop the Lakers is injury, and unfortunately mm-hmm. that's the reality for them right now, and I think – that's the only thing that's in that way. But a healthy Lakers squad, which I guess this guy's assuming, they're going to they gonna win the NBA Finals. A healthy LeBron, a healthy AD, a healthy Andre Drummond, uh, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma contributing, et cetera, et cetera. My thing is, what team can stop them if they're healthy? What team in the West can stop them? Like, Like who? Yeah, my issue with the Clippers is like, who's stopping AD on the Clippers? Right. You sound like Mike White. Oh my God. Yeah. Got to <laughs> jump in for Mike, man. Mike's, Mike's got that's, responsibilities. I'll, I'll handle it. Yeah, but that's true for that's that's that could be true for almost every team that they face. They don't yeah. have no team has anybody that can stop AD. No team has anybody that can stop LeBron. Don't get Andre Drummond's a walking double double, and you well, put him with LeBron. LeBron gonna be putting him in proper positions to to succeed. And then you can have a healthy Marcus or a healthy uh, Dennis Schroeder. But injuries yeah. is the only thing that can stop the Lakers. And they mm-hmm. enter the playoffs healthy. I'm taking them over anybody. Yeah. Well, I think I think the Jazz are kind of best equipped to stop AD uh, of anyone. Obviously, Rudy Gobert. But then in their case, who's, who's stopping LeBron on that team? You know what I mean? So, yeah, you got a good point. It's kind of like a double-headed dragon. Uh, you can stop one, not necessarily the other. Uh, Jordan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if the Lakers are fully healthy, they're definitely my favorites to make it out of the West. Um, I really don't think anyone can stop them. I mean, no one stopped them last year, and in my opinion, they got much better this year. Um, So, I mean, fully healthy, I don't see anyone stopping them. We all know LeBron's a different beast when it comes to playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just not human, you know, whatsoever. So, you know, fully healthy, no one's stopping them. If it comes down to, like, just LeBron or just AD – playing then it's a little bit more possible that someone could possibly sneak in and take something from them but if they're both there there's not a shot i mean if one of them isn't there they're they're gonna end a lot sooner than than they'd like to you know i agree yeah you really need both for the full strength of them to be activated yeah 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 that's a good point um so yeah we'll move on to the next hot take which this one is I, I said in our group chat uh, when we first kind of discussed it, maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> Scott Brooks, the Washington Wizards head coach, called Russ, Russell Westbrook the second best point guard of all time. Uh, obviously, he put Magic as his number one. Everyone's kind of asking, did Steph Curry die? Did Steph Curry <laughs> just get erased from the history books? Um but I can appreciate, I guess, a coach kind of gassing up his player a little bit. But to a certain extent, you kind of gotta, um, you kind of gotta be a little bit realistic. But uh, Stacy, I'll start with you. Is Russell Westbrook a top two point guard of all time? No, but let me let me play devil's advocate for a second. Right. There's no well, devil's well, advocate here, Stacy. <laughs> no, but, 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 he ain't even top two right now. Let's just check this out. Just check this out. Oh, we talking God. about the overall picture. Scott, 
Scott Brooks also said name a point guard that can do what Russ can do. And like if you look at Russ versus Steph, like Steph can't rebound like Russ. You know, Steph don't have that athleticism to get to the paint like that, like Russ. Like Steph got finesse his way in. Yeah. Russell Westbrook could do bro. If you look at Russell Westbrook's stack, I mean he averages 23 points for his career, 8.5 assists, 7.3 rebounds. It's it's like it's not magic numbers, but you know, it's sort of magic-esque. Like you could he could do it all. And he he actually averages more points per game and career-wise than Magic Johnson. But I think what Scott Brooks was trying to do is like have like people uh more be more positive, more receptive to how great Russell Westbrook yeah. is. We talking about a man who's now for a fourth season is averaging a triple double for a fourth season, getting triple doubles, even when his athleticism and everything is declining, is taking a step back now. Even on a team where they have little to no shot of even making the regular playoffs. So I think he just want people like, and he's sticking up for his players. So he just want people to give Russ his due because Russ does deserve like more than what he's getting. A lot of people like to pile on him saying like, it's a bad teammate, over emotion and all that. But this man is great. Yeah. But is he top two? Like my person, like no, personally, no. <laughs> he don't have the rings. I mean, he has one MVP. Uh, the efficiency can be a little bit questionable at times. Yeah. But I mean, the, he should be like top 10, 12, something like yeah. that all yeah, the time. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm totally fine with you saying that. Like, I think Russ is super overhated. Um, people don't necessarily respect his greatness. And like I said, I don't have an issue with Scott Brooks kind of gassing up his guy, but uh, it's a little bit blasphemous. Uh, Jordan, I'll, I'll ask you the same thing. Man's ain't even top two right now. So definitely right. not top two all time. Um, right. In my opinion, like the thing with Westbrook, right? Everyone always compares him. He's like, they're like, oh, he puts up numbers like the big O. So that's one guy right in front of him right there. If they're already, they're just comparing you to someone else that's done it before. So in my opinion, I take big O over Westbrook. That's one person. You got Steph Curry. That's two right there. Magic Johnson. Obviously that's another one. And the list will just keep going on and on and on if you give me more time to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Westbrook is nowhere near the top. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what makes you say that, though? Like, what makes you say that? Because his stats are, like, better than some of the guys you put in. Yeah. If we're He's talking not a us- winner. He is not a winner. He will not win. But let's look at let's look at some of the guys ahead of him. I have John Stockton and Steve Nash ahead of him. Those guys have never won a ring before either. Okay, but there's still a lot of people I would take over those two as, as well. I guess really? I See, I've got Stockton like top five. In my opinion, Westbrook is not a winner. Westbrook is a stat patter. No, okay. Let's not do that because stat oh. padding is not a real thing, dude. Oh, if stat yeah. padding not was a real, real thing. thing if stat padding not was a real a, thing, Ooh. dude, if, if stat padding was YouTube a real thing, all right, sure. If stat padding <laughs> was a real thing, everyone would be averaging like 25, 10, and 10. But not everyone's stat pads because they'd rather win a ring. But so many people, you know what I mean? Like so many people could be averaging 25, 10, and 10. It's not like Stacy. Stacy's not averaging 25, 10, and 10. Maybe, <laughs> in, could, maybe in the rec could. league you are. Yeah, maybe in the rec <laughs> league you are. But, Thanks, uh, <laughs> but Russell Westbrook, like he's, 
he's been doing that for like Stacy said, there's four seasons. He's done that. I don't think you can, you can do that in four seasons, like on purpose as at the cost of winning, you know what I mean? Like just deliberately stat pad your way into triple double averages for four years straight. I would agree that his numbers are phenomenal. I'm not trying to take that away yeah. at all, I guess. Yeah. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, if I'm building a winning team, Russell Westbrook is not on my team. That's, that's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, that's totally fair. Uh, let's get, let's get Mateo involved though. Where do you stand on all this? I like Russ a lot. Um, I've always loved his heart and his just willingness to put all of himself out there to try and get the win, but he doesn't always get the win. Um, I think a lot of these go top two, top five, top 10 lists come down to what you value in players. Mm. This YouTuber MDJ did a really good video on it's kind of influenced my view on the GOAT debate. If you view stats as the most important thing, you might think Wilt Chamberlain is the GOAT. If you view closing as the most important thing and just aggressive, you know, kind of alpha male, just do whatever it takes to win, you might think Kobe Jordan's the GOAT. If you value a guy who does it all, and still has that closer in him, you might think LeBron is the GOAT. Um, it sounds like Scott Brooks values a guy who does it all that's a point guard, which may be his thinking of why Westbrook would be top two. Magic has a, you know, does it all, but he has that, that um, those rings to go with it. Um, so I think that's a big reason of what fuels the debate. Westbrook is a guy that gets rebounds, points, and assists. Um, he might have stat padded a bit in his NBA, I mean, uh, his MVP year. But I think in general, I think he's always, you know, trying to get the win no matter what. That's just kind of what's in him. But, yeah, it comes down to what you value. Scott Brooks seems to value a guy who gets stats and does it all. And he might have been just gassing off a bit just to get him more in the conversation. He might not totally believe he's top two, but he'll just say that to get people to say, oh, okay, maybe he's top five, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, again, like you, you kind of said, similar to Stacy. I think that's fair. Um I think the disrespect to Stephen Curry is unbelievable, even just by saying that to gas up your guy. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I Scott Brooks likes a guy who can get more rebounds than Steph Curry, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's, that's the one thing that Russ has on him. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, probably one of the more uh, kind of real debates that we've had in a, in a little while where we don't all agree on something. So thanks to Scott Brooks for bringing that up. Uh, but yeah, that was that was our last hot take. So I'll, I'll pass it back to Jordan for the next topic. All right, Mateo, you got me interested now. Who's your goat? Oh, my goat. Hmm. Oh, he's thinking. I, I don't I don't like to answer this because because they do <laughs> things. I think I would probably say, and this is part because I didn't see Michael Jordan. I think I would say LeBron's my goat. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm mad at that. If I feel like I can't comment on Michael Jordan because I didn't watch him live, I was too young. That's fair. I can talk I think... about the, the GOAT players. Sorry to cut you off, Ben. I can no, talk about the GOAT players I've seen. I like guys that can do it all. So I think LeBron probably be my GOAT. But Kobe is my favorite player of all time. And if we're going to talk about who can get you the last shot, I'll take Kobe over LeBron. All right. So I'm just curious. Who's your top five? I need to hear this. Now. I'm, I'm into this. <laughs> I haven't let even. Me get comfy. Uh, let me get comfortable. Okay. Right. I know you're putting me on the spot. I haven't even. Uh, I probably should have come with this. I'd say LeBron Jordan one two, and I'd say 
I want to say Bill Russell, but dude, the era, man, the 60s and stuff. I don't know. Bill Russell's not in my top 10, just so you know. No, I think if we just got to talk about like skills and whatnot, I'd say LeBron, Jordan. And I guess I'll be putting in guys that I haven't seen before, but LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, Magic, and I don't know who to put for the fifth, but if I have to do an answer, let's see, going blank. Shaq. Okay. And that's, mo- that's mostly by just guys that I've seen and my weird ass criteria. So if you gave me a little more time to think about it. Yeah, for sure. Very, very, on the, very on the spot. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. What, I, yeah. what I do want to say is what I'm very interested in is I find that it's always the younger people that say their LeBron is their goat. I think you're mm-hmm. the oldest one here. And you yeah. just said 29. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think you just said LeBron's your goat. So I think that's really interesting. Maybe that's because it's definitely a generation. Lakers and you're a Lakers fan. It's a generational debate for sure. And I think part of it might be the pushback of um, just Jordan fans not being open to argument. It's always very black and white. They're like, shut up. Jordan was the GOAT. You don't even belong here. Get out. We hate LeBron. I mean, I'm not even, I don't, I don't consider myself a LeBron stan. I root for the Lakers over LeBron all day. But I don't like the pushback in general of um, Jordan superfans. And you do get that on LeBron's side, too, to be fair, yeah. too. But I have watched LeBron more. I thought the best stretch of basketball I've ever seen was 2012-13 LeBron when, that, when they were on that streak and then just stuff he did in the playoffs. So that's probably been that, along with some Kobe streaks, been the best stretch of basketball I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, man. I, I've said it multiple times. Obviously, like at the end of the day, people are going to make you pick your goat, but it's really hard to pick throughout the different styles of gameplay. It was a completely Mm -hmm. different game back then compared to now. So it's really hard to judge that comparison. So in my opinion, either answer is acceptable, but I will always lean more towards Jordan. Um, Let me hear your top five, Jordan. Ooh, right now? I'm going to go... On the spot, baby. MJ, LeBron, one, two. We will go... MJ, LeBron, I'll put Kobe at three. Give me Kareem. That's the one I forgot. Damn it. <laughs> Ooh, and then five. I have like so many people, but I'm going to be biased and say Larry. That's fair. Larry's probably just outside my top five. It's probably like guys, seven, seven. You always so. have to expect some bias from me, guys. That's fair. No, that's fair. It's no. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate Larry at five. <laughs> he's a pretty iconic player. Yeah, I would agree. Him and Magic revitalized the game. But let's get right back into our next topic, looking into the play-in tournament. A lot of players have been starting to push back a little bit, which I find ironic as all hell, because the players that are pushing back are now looking like they're going to be playing in the play-in tournament. Um, notably, LeBron and Luka were the most recent guys to give some pushback to it. So, Ben, I'll let you take this one away. Yeah, I uh, I mean, we had discussed it a little bit before we kind of started recording here. I used some choice words to describe both of these guys, their comments on, uh, on the play-in because, it, come on, they have to know what it looks like, right? They're this close, this close to, to being in the play-in. And they're talking about how much they hate it. LeBron last season in the bubble said he loves the idea of the plan. I think the entertainment value for fans is through the roof. Um, So yeah, I I love the plan personally. And I think 
it's unfortunately pretty clear why they're saying that they don't like the plan is because they might have to play in the play in pretty soon. Um, play in the play in pretty soon. Uh, so yeah, that's playing pretty soon. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. afraid. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I love LeBron. Like I said that I like both these guys, but their comments made them look terrible to me. I agree. It's always funny when you say it when you're at risk of falling in the plane now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stacy, what are your thoughts on all of it? I hope the guy that made the, the play in gets to keep his job because that would be unfair. LeBron would get you yeah. crushed. But, <laughs> but I said this uh, before and I said it again, uh, as far as entertainment, revenue, getting streams or whatever, cool. Mm-hmm. But it's a terrible idea for the seven and AC because I think that if you get the seven and AC, you earned the right to be in the playoffs. You shouldn't have to fight to keep your spot. And then after that, you gotta go play the top two teams in the in, in the conference. So like it's very unfair for the seven and AC. And yeah. uh may hopefully there's like a, a one and done thing. I think they're only doing that because you know they cut the season short to 72 games and they're just trying to add a couple more. But after this, I I just don't I don't want to see the play in. Uh seven eight. You earned that spot. I don't care if they won it by one game or half a game. The team that was in nine, they should have won. So, yeah, but like I, it's this close sometimes, though. The difference between eight and nine can be like half a game. Yeah, sometimes. I can see so if they were. I, I can see if they was tied. Like if they was tied at eight nine, then yeah, play in. But if you one game back, why you couldn't just win two more games? But here's the thing with that though: is some teams have different strengths of schedules. So the team that was one game behind may have had a lot harder of a schedule than everybody plays everybody in the NBA, but I think different at different amounts. I think some teams play different teams more or less. So, I mean, imagine having to go against the Lakers eight times versus only having to go against them twice. You see what I'm saying? Like you got to beat the Lakers. You got to beat them. You yeah. beat the Lakers, Stacy. Like you make it seem like so easy. Who, who wants to who wants to come out there with me? We don't go ahead and face the Lakers. Yeah, who's coming? Uh, yeah, this is this, us and Mike will be our our five our starting five. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll figure we'll, it we'll out. We'll get out there. We may lose by sixty three, but we'll I don't even think we score, guys. Yeah, no, we, we definitely don't score. Our best our best chance is just hucking up half court foul shots. shots too. Hopefully, we can get some foul shots. Get some pity yeah. from the refs. Uh, I like the idea of the play in man, just from an entertainment perspective. And um, just thinking back, how many great series did we see between the one and the eight seed and the two and the seven seed? I think I remember the reason why the play in sounding kind of appealing was because usually those series suck. It was a wash, you know, one versus eight, two versus seven. So I like the idea of a little bit extra entertainment. Um, And in the case of LeBron and Luca, just win your damn games, man, just win them. So it doesn't matter. Um, you, we've had the capability, just speaking for the Lakers, we've had the capability to win some games that we didn't um, wouldn't even be in this position. So just win your damn games, and I like the idea of the plan. If, if LeBron wants to be the GOAT and he's worried about a little competition between the eighth and ninth seed, not my GOAT. Couldn't Jordan, be. Legacy already cemented. I mean, I don't think it matters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, any other thoughts on that before we move on to the next one? No, no right, I'm, I'm looking it. forward to it. To be honest, I think. Uh, you guys think the Lakers are going to fall into the play-in last no. last year? No, no, no. I think they'll pull it off. Yeah. The league won't let them make the play-in. Um, moving on, getting to talk about my favorite person in the NBA, Kyrie Irving. We all hey. know my feelings on him. 
was recently fined $35,000 for not speaking to the media post-game. Um, obviously, this is the thing that happened over time. He just consistently kept refusing to go out and talk to the media after the game. I kind of want to get your thoughts on whether you think this fine is acceptable or not to you guys. In my opinion, through all the different NBA players I've talked to, um, I'm on Kyrie's side on this one. I think the fine is outrageous. I don't think it should have been given. Um, you know, one of the guys that we've had on this podcast, Jermaine Jones, is a huge mental health advocate now. And he's talked about what it's like playing in the NBA and all the mental health things that go on behind the scenes. These guys just play their asses off for an entire NBA game. It's a lot of work. They're probably exhausted. There's other things going on in their life aside from basketball. If they don't want to talk to the media right after the game, I don't think they should have to. Obviously, I get why they want them to because that helps bring in money for the NBA, that whole entertainment side of things but why can't you just get their thoughts on it the next day at practice or whatever um obviously i don't think players should be allowed to completely just avoid the media straight out but if they don't want to talk to the media right after a game i really don't think they should have to so i wanted to get your thoughts on that and the whole fine issue um mateo we'll start with you um you know i i like the idea of just letting a player decompress after the game you know just don't bother him i think just respect them as individuals I just wonder what the exact parameters are of getting the fine. Like how many times did, did Kyrie avoid to talk to the media before that? Um, I guess in general, it'd be cool if there was no fine, you know, cause it kind of looks bad on the media's part that they're just like, you have to talk to me when. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of what I think about it. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's good to just let players have their space. Yeah, I agree. Stacy, what are you thinking? Yeah, exactly. I, I always hated that the players are forced to talk to the media when they don't want to, especially after a big loss. Like you see that after the NBA finals, like after, you know, the trophy, you know, the, the series closed out, you, you see that after the Super Bowl, like minutes after and when players get dressed and all that, they have to go talk and explain what happened. And I think that's very unfair and it could be mentally draining. I think should a lot of players get them, get them some space the losers, I guess, in the game or whatever, give them some space, let them calm down because the emotions are high. They might say something that they'll regret and then just talk to them like a day after. I mean, like, I mean, like, what's what's the big rush all about? I, I just, sometimes I just hate how the media just like pushes upon like players, especially those star players. They got to explain what happened. Like there could be like a bad play or they could miss like the game winning shot or something. You know, it's hard to talk to people after something bad just happened. Just, just leave them alone. Just relax. Let them breathe. They're gonna talk to players. Gonna talk to the media anyway. They're gonna talk to them when they when they get ready to because not only that's the entertainment, but you know that's how you get like endorsement deals, grow your brand, and all that stuff. So just just let them breathe for a minute. Just thinking of a guy who's using the media to his advantage. Um, Anthony Edwards, you guys been seeing the post? He's been doing. Yeah, he's a funny dude, man. Uh, he's definitely growing a brand and a personality because of that. So NBA Bowl, a guy on Twitter, he said he's got like a little bit of Charles Barkley in him, which I think is a uh, in, in terms of his media interviews and stuff like that. Good comparison for him, I think. He also learned who Arod was through going through his media days. So. <laughs> yeah. which is something Charles Barkley might say too if he was like, "Who the hell's Arod?" <laughs> Ben, how are you feeling on all this? Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain degree, like the four of us are members of the media industry to a certain extent, obviously not, you know, on on the same level as these people who are asking guys questions after games. 
Um, so from that perspective, we're kind of like, why don't you want to talk to us? We're awesome to be around. But uh, obviously, if you look at it from like a human perspective, um, yeah, like totally. Why would they want to talk to a bunch? Why do they want to get crowded? Especially if you think about like, when it's not the zoom environment kind of thing and it's locker room scrums and you're just like, just got off a tough, tough loss. And it's, you know, a bad moment in your professional career and you gotta like, just get crowded by like 13 sweaty little white guys in the locker room, just crowding around you and uh, asking you all sorts of questions about why you sucked that game. Like, obviously that's not good for anyone's mental health in that situation. Um, so I completely understand why Kyrie is done, not showing up to these post-game interviews, and I wouldn't if I were him either. I don't think he should, and he has the money to soak these fines, so I think he should keep not showing up, honestly. Bouncing back to Westbrook, though. Westbrook has the best answers yeah. so when he doesn't want to talk to the media. I don't yeah, know if you guys have ever seen funny. it. If you get a chance, I'm not going to repeat anything he said right now, but go search Russell Westbrook, like, funny media moments. He just, like rags on him he lets him have it it's hysterical but i will say it's i think it's tough for the players to like know who to trust and like i feel like you know obviously myself i've worked with a lot of ex-nba players so i i kind of see like where they're coming from on this instance so like a lot of the guys i've worked with at first they're very hesitant they're like okay what is this guy looking for what does this guy want from me and i'm sure that's how the nba players see the media they're like okay what are they trying to get out of me how are they trying to twist my words here so it's probably just like a huge stressful moment for them as well, because they know one slip of the tongue, one wrong word, one wrong statement. It's going to be everywhere within seconds. Yeah. So it's a lot of pressure on these guys. I mean, if I was an NBA player, I just lost a tough game. Uh, something in my personal life happened. I don't want to go up and be center stage answering questions, hoping I don't say something wrong where I'm in the national spotlight. It's really yeah. tough for these guys. And I don't think they get that scene like that. I don't think people understand the pressures that these guys are facing on a nightly basis. So it's, it's tough. It's really tough. What you said in your explanation of the question, if there you're alluding to like, if there's a grace period of just, Hey, maybe just talk to them the next day at practice. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, there hasn't been a lot of practices this year because of the condensed schedule and COVID, but Hey, if there was like a little grace period like that and Hey, maybe it exists already. We just don't know about it. Um, but that seems pretty fair. You know, maybe you don't want to talk right after it, but to fulfill that obligation, if you have to, give them a night to cool down i agree i mean it's i mean in my opinion it's like basic human courtesy just give them their space if they don't want to talk don't force them to talk because they're not going to give you what you want regardless um and the media doesn't want to talk to a grumpy dude because it just makes their life you know their job less enjoyable so yeah Yeah, i think they're just hoping they can get something for clicks or for views or whatever Mm -hmm. so no reporter's going like oh boy i hope russell westbrook cusses me out (laughs) (laughs) oh no one wants that so yeah players don't want it the media don't want it maybe give people a little a little leeway well what's what's weird about this is it's not the media finding him it's the nba as a league finding him yeah so that's true yeah it's the nba it's the nba that needs to step back and be like okay if they don't want to talk don't make them talk it's sad because like in my opinion, the NBA Players Association should be stepping in here and doing something about this, but maybe they are. I don't yeah. know. And the maybe. NBA, too, is seen, just real quick, is seen as like such a player's first league. Yeah. And the fact that they're not doing anything about this is a little bit questionable. I agree. The, Surprise, why, I agree. the last thing on this, the reason why maybe they don't want to give a grace period like that is just because you always got to keep churning out content. And, hey, maybe a grumpy interview is still good engaging content. Um, that's that's the yeah. way they, they hold and foster a fandom. 
So 24 hour news cycle. I know they got to keep up with the other 24 hour news cycles. So maybe that's a reason why they'll just keep the rules the way they are. I hope they can fix it, but let's move on to our last topic of the night, bringing it back. Since we already remember, we figured we'd treat him to this little mystery player debate. So yes, Stacy, I'm gonna let you take it over. Now. All right. We got two players. We, we back with it. Uh, both on point guards. These are their career stats. Both on point guards. Player A, 19.2 points per game, 9.3 assists, 3.6 rebounds, 1.9 steals, shot 45.2% overall, 29% from three, and 75.9 at the free throw. Player B, 18.3 points per game, going with 9.4 assists, 4.5 rebounds, 2.1 steals, 47% overall, 37% from three, and 87.3% from the free throw. So who would you guys rather have? Let's answer that first, Mateo. Who would you guys rather have, player A or player B? Player B, because they got the better free throw and three percentage um, and comparable assist numbers. I Can I take a guess, or are we going to go around first? Oh, We're we going to go around and then go around first, yeah. Yeah. Oh, who do I think it is? Jordan B, player A, player B. I'm oh, taking to player B, hands down. He's better in pretty much every single side except for points. It's only a one-point difference. Um, and his shooting percentages are much better, specifically the three-point line. So, hands down, no debate here, player B. Yeah. Player B. To me, this feels like a trick question because I would easily go player B uh, largely just because of the three-point percentage and then the rest of the stats. Why do I feel like Stacy's about to pull a fast one on me? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It, it's going to be like player B is going to be Jose Calderon and player A is going to be like Chris Paul or something Jose like that. Jose Calderon's like EuroLeague stats, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I go, I go player B for sure. Okay, sweet players, I'll play B. All right, who are they? Who's play A? Who's play B? Mateo, you say you know. I feel, you I feel good about my answer. Player A, Kyle Lowry, player B, Chris Paul. Player A is not Kyle Lowry. Player B is Chris player Paul. Player B is Chris Paul. Ah, uh, yeah, that was my oh, guess, too. That was my guess, too. Um, are, are these guys both like I know Chris Paul is an active player? Is player A like an active player in the league? Right player now as well? A is retired. Player is retired. retired. Okay. Retired. I was gonna oh, think I, I was gonna think around like Ben Simmons, but then I was like, oh, that three point percentage is way too high for Ben Simmons. No, <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about retired players. Yeah, you guys go. You guys go ahead and guess. I'm gonna think about yeah. nineteen nine assists is a big deal. Uh, Point guard. Hall what of Fame. Are we talking? Yeah, what, what era are we talking here? Uh, I feel like the era is going to give it away. It might give, it, give away. it away. I feel like it's going to get it's like I would say the clues, but I think the clues would get away. I, I would say okay. like he played for one team, uh, 12. John, John Stockton. 12 years. No, not John Stockton. Uh, 12 years, I believe, 12, 13 years, something like that. Interesting. Hmm. I was going to guess Stockton too. No, he only played for one team. Yeah, he played for one team. Was he like recently retired or like been out? Oh, for a while? like been out for a while. These must be Alex Caruso's future stats. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is clearly nine, <laughs> nine, nine is six sounds about right. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to give you guys another clue without giving away. One team Hall of Famer point guard, nine mm-hmm. assists. Man, 
That's interesting. You got a, you got a good one, Stacy. I'm thinking about yeah. this. Yeah, I'm stuck, man. Uh, I wish I can help you out. Uh, Twelve-time All Star, so pretty much every year in his career, he was an All Star. Oh, I got it, Isaiah Thomas. Which one? Which one? Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously five nine. Uh, Isaiah with an A. Uh, yeah, it's wow. Isaiah Thomas. Got per thirty six stats. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will happily stick with Chris Paul over Isaiah Thomas, but I think I think it's very close. Like I think they both had great careers. Um, yeah, I think. So are those his career stats, or are those like one season? Oh, those career stats for both of them. Yeah, for both. Wow, wow, twenty nine percent from three. People probably thought, "Wow, what a great three point percentage back then." Dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's <laughs> crazy to me about this though is like Isaiah Thomas is known as one of the NBA greats, and I feel like Chris Paul does not get that respect at all. I think he. I, I'm kind of, I'm I'm kind of in favor of Chris Paul getting a little more shine. I feel like um, yeah. a lot he of makes time, every team he's on extremely better. Let's look what we've seen the last two years, man. Um, and and he has had moments where he hasn't come up clutch. We we can slam him for that, sure. But I think a lot of the time, he's um he's come up big in really intense games, and he's gotten the better of some really good players. It just hasn't always been in the D rounds of the playoffs, which is. Hey, that yeah. rules our basketball discourse. If it doesn't happen in the finals or conference finals, yeah. then you're trash, according to yeah. some people. But I, yeah. I think he, he just get injured at the wrong time. Yeah, it always happens. Who would beat the Warriors? And that time. Rockets team. That's what I'm saying. That Who Rockets team collapsed after he left, My and God. they would have they would have gone to the finals if he was healthy in Game Seven. Like I think there's no question about it. It would have beat LeBron too. That would have been a. How different would the discourse be, man? Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I got a question about Chris Paul. Um. I've been hearing him lately being mentioned as far as like him, he should be the MVP. Like we, it's been like Jokic and B, you know, back and forth, Jokic pulling away a little bit, but now Chris Paul is getting strong consideration. Would you guys have Chris Paul as your MVP or at least on the ballot for MVP? I think it should ballot. be on the ballot right. for sure, but I don't think he will win MVP, but definitely ballot worthy for sure. Yeah. It really, it's crazy how you, you know, define value. Like we talked about definitions earlier, like Mateo was saying with his GOAT debate. Um, if you look purely at value, I think Chris Paul has way more of an argument than most people would uh, would expect just, just by looking at the numbers. Um, but I think he should still be third. Uh, Jokic has been incredibly valuable to his team this year, especially with Jamal Murray going down for the season. And same thing with Embiid. Like without Embiid, the Sixers are not that good of a team. So I think he should be top three to me. And I think Giannis and him like is super close because Giannis is way better numbers and also pretty valuable to his team. But uh, yeah, I'd go. I go. Chris Paul should be on the ballot for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I will say about Giannis though, I think the I think if you take him off the the Bucks, I think they're still a pretty solid team. Like I still think in the East, you're, you're yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think they would be in the playoffs for sure. Um, I also think voter fatigue will not allow Giannis to. Oh, uh, he, he doesn't get anything. No, sir. yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, but it's a, it's an interesting question, man, because you feel like yeah, we talk about value. It's you feel like Chris Paul's got to be comparable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Suns did take a leap in the bubble hugely they aren't they aren't in the position they are without chris paul and i mean to be fair he's not in that position without a guy like Devin booker um i feel like it's an argument you know but you what you said about top three ben i think i agree with that 
Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely on my like top five. Like I have him, MB, Jokic, uh, Giannis, and Steph. So that's fair. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of the Crown Who's podcast. That was episode number fifty-six. Thank you guys so much for listening, watching, however you were doing it. Uh, yes. As always, my name is Jordan Daly. With me this week, we had Stacy Collier, Ben Okazawa, hey. and our new member Mateo Navarrete. And we will see you guys next week. Peace.